Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership. This is Linda Popke, your host. We're here today with Lisa Arell. Lisa is the generation relations expert and the author of the popular business book, Millennials Incorporated. Her book has become the premier resource for executives and managers who want to learn key strategies for recruiting, managing, and retaining Generation Y, which is also referred to as the Millennials. Lisa also conducts in-demand seminars and workshops on this topic, as well as on how to improve overall generation relations to increase the revenue and retention of a multi-generational workforce. A partial list of her clients includes Paul Mitchell Systems, Cisco, USC, and Blue Cross Blue Shield. Due to her expertise, she's recently been on MSNBC, and she's been featured in key media such as Human Resource Executive, Recruitment and Retention, Monster.com, CareerBuilder.com, HR.com, and Employee Benefits News, to name just a few publications. Today we'll be talking to Lisa about her insights into the millennials and why we should care about this new generation entering the workforce. So welcome, Lisa. Hello, Linda. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm great. I'm so happy that you're here to talk about this because this is really a unique subject. Tell me, how did you get involved in studying millennials? Well, it, it is kind of a, it is odd when people say, wow, you've become a millennial, you know, millennial generation expert. That's interesting. How did that come about? It, it's certainly a question I get a lot. Well, like you, um, I've been a marketing expert now going on 20 years. I've owned an agency in Silicon Valley for about 19 of those 20 years. And during that time, I just keep up on the latest trends that affect business and you know, things that are going on in the world out there that, that clients will be interested in and that I need to be up on for branding and marketing initiatives. And I started actually researching the millennials several years ago um, as potential target audiences and how to attract them from a marketing standpoint for clients. And then as soon as any of the HR and business man- you know, executives and managers that I knew from any type of company in any department started knowing that I was aware of this generation, they were flocking to me saying, oh my gosh, we don't know how to recruit them, and oh, we're having a hard time retaining them, and oh, I'm a boomer manager, and my millennial, 22-year-old millennial new employees driving me crazy, what should I be doing? And it turned into a market, it went from a marketing, um, overall marketing approach to me learning about them from management and motivating and what makes them tick overall and dealing with them in a workforce and all of that stuff. And then at that point I said, well, shoot, I should just write a book. <laughs> so, so that's when I wrote Millennials Incorporated, which has now been out for over a year, and it's led to this whole other aspect of my professional life where I do a lot of not only public speaking but private consulting and seminars and workshops for companies in and around this whole topic. That's great. So, Lisa, tell me, why is it such a big deal about millennials? I mean, we've had different generations. Every generation is different. Why is it such a big deal in the media? Well, what's going on here that a lot of people aren't aware of um, is that we kind of have a perfect storm scenario happening in the United States right now, and, and that is that uh, with the, you take the perfect storm is the combination of the boomer brain drain that we're um, upon right now with the, the early stage of retirement for many boomers and then them just going to be getting out of the workforce over the next several decades. Uh, you combine that with the fact that we've also had, uh, we have had a lower birth rate over the past couple decades than we've had, the last two decades than we've had in a while. And 
it's you put that all together along with one other point too that, that is the third aspect to this is that many students who used to come here from other countries and then stay here because the US was the end all be all place to live many students who come here to go to college now from other countries are actually starting to choose to go back to their homelands like back to China back to India to start their families and start their careers um, because those places have become, you know, in a big way, much more desirable to live than they were maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago for young people, right? There's nightlife, they get, you know, there's nightlife, there's modernization going on. Right. Um, so if you take those things into consideration that, you know, and, and I'll put this in perspective when you, you know, talk about the boomer retirement, to put it in perspective of how big it is, okay? The average large company over the next 10 to 15 years, the average large company in the U.S. will be losing 30 to 40 percent of its workforce, its headcount, due to boomers retiring. Wow. Okay, so when you think about that and you go, well, okay, that's an awful lot of people retiring, yes, combine it with the fact that Gen X is a much smaller generation than for the sure numbers of physical body count, the millennials are the next generation body count that we desperately need for not only our companies in the U.S. to remain competitive, but for our country to remain competitive on a global level. And to also put this in perspective, and I don't want to read a bunch of stats and make people's heads spin, but this is based on a big uh, study that was done by Pepperdine University that with uh, we have we'll need a workforce to increase by approximately 58 million employees over the next three decades to remain at the same level of productivity, yet if the current population trend continues, we'll only increase by 23 million. Wow. In a nutshell, this means that tr this current trend could create an overall U.S. labor shortage of 35 million workers, and they tend to be, in the study, 35 skilled and educated workers. Wow. Okay. So, so we could be really short a huge amount of people, and that's, that's all part of this, this whole phenomenon that's going on in terms of population shifting, et cetera. Wow. Yeah, it's, the, it's not only birth rates combined with the boomers being such a huge generation, but they're start, you know, they're the, the youngest or the oldest boomer right now is around 65, 66 years old, so they're just starting to hit retirement age. Well, heck, they're, you know, I'm on the cusp, right? I, I was born in 1964, so I'm either considered a really old um, Gen X or a really young boomer, right? Now, mm -hmm. pure vanity, I'll go with, you know, very young boomer because it sounds better. But I'm right, <laughs> on, I, you know, I'm right on the cusp. So from 40, people that are around 45 years old now to about 65 make up the boomer generation. And... Um, so it's just going to continue and continue and continue. So when people go, well, why should we care about the millennials and why should we adjust corporate cultures to accommodate them and why should I consider as a manager changing my management styles to better retain them and stuff, it's hard for people to get their head around it right now because of what we're dealing with in terms of hearing about all the layoffs and, and all of the things that are truly happening in our economy right now. But things will eventually get better as we know. Okay, I mean, mm -hmm. as we know, they, things will get better. Companies will begin higher again. We will have a, a solid economy again. When that happens, it, th this will become a bigger issue again because the, I'll tell you, and I'm not kidding you, just 12 to 18 months ago, millennials on average coming out of the top B schools were getting signing bonuses of $30,000, $50,000 from the top companies 
to come choose their employment package over a competitor's. These were 22, 23-year-olds with no experience in the real world, um, and some of them not even graduating with, with, with MBAs, getting courted as, as heavily as a top-notch MBA draft pick out of college. That was just a year, year and a half ago. Sure, we'll go through this. won't be like that now, but it will be like that again. Yeah, they, companies physically need the body count uh, to remain competitive. So, Lisa, let me ask you, can we take a minute and just kind of define, we talked about boomers, we talked about Gen X, and yeah. can you kind of tell us what are the time spans, just so we're clear as to what we're referring to? Sure. The overall time span for the boomers is start date of around 1946 to about 1964. Keep in mind that every generational time frame has about a five to ten year fudge factor on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it looks like it's about 1946 to 1964. Generation X um, is about 1965 to about 1979. And the millennials are around 1980 to around 2002. So our oldest millennials are right around that, you know, 20, 28, 27-year-old. You know, that's why a couple years ago, or about two years ago, it really started to become a bigger topic because they were, this generation was just starting to really graduate college and that, you know, big amounts. And the ones who did go to graduate school are now coming out at, you know, 26, 27 years old. Right. So just really it's been in the past 12 to 18 months really the past 12 to 18 months, where they're starting to make a big impact and companies are taking much more notice of them. Great. So tell me something, Lisa. So why are these millennials so different than all the rest of us and all these other past generations? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, in terms of what they're looking for in a job and what they want out of a career, they're not much different from anybody else. They're just being more vocal about it at a young age. You know, I mean, we all want a flexible work environment. We all want a fun work environment. We all want work-life balance. We all want a great boss. You know, we all want those things, right? But, the, but when you're a boomer, Gen X, especially boomers, you know, my gosh, you never even felt at a, you know, 22, 23, let alone 30 or 35 that you could ask or demand those things. You know, work was work and fun was at home and you just dealt with getting your paycheck. And even if your boss, you didn't like your boss, and even if you really didn't like what you did for a living, you were just thankful that you had a job, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. how the boomer mindset has been, and that's how they were raised by their, by their, by their parents. You know, right. just be thankful you have a job and you stay there, and you know that type of thing. Well, the so millennials were raised very much along uh, by their parents of saying, you know, they've been they've been told that they were valued by their parents and by society their whole lives. Right? So when people are saying, gosh, they're so high maintenance, it's like, yeah, well, you created them. I mean, you know, the boomers, <laughs> boomers created them. They didn't just hatch from eggs, you know, right. like odds on the movie Cocoon. I mean, the millennials came from somewhere, and their ideals and their values have come from somewhere, and it's from, parent- it's from how they were parented. Yep. And the, the whole axiom of, you know, a child is seen and not heard was thrown out the window when this generation showed up. I mean, these kids are part of the major buying decisions of their families. You know, parents going to their kids that are 10 years old saying, well, what minivan would you want mom to drive you around and come help me pick out which one to get? You know, I mean, seriously, that type of stuff. And what flat screen TV should we be getting? And, you know, that type of thing. And the other thing is, is that if you look at it, you know, this whole being valued and told they're valued from day one, it takes it even a step further, Linda, because if you look at it from society's standpoint, look at the laws that went into effect when the millennials started being born. Car seats became law. Right, right. Bicycle helmets became law. 
okay, I don't know about you, but when I was riding my bike as a kid, the only thing between the asphalt and my skull was my hair, right? right it wasn't exactly. odd to ride a bicycle helmet. And those things have become law. That is the government and society's way of telling these kids, we value you, we don't want you to get hurt, okay? So they have been infiltrated their entire beings by everybody telling them that we care about you, your opinion's valued, your health is valued, we care about you, you're wonderful, you're brilliant. So if people think that they're going to be different when they show up into the workforce and have certain levels of expectations of how they want to be treated and the type of rewards and recognition they require, and they're suddenly going to take years and years of programming and throw it out the door just because they're now in the quote-unquote real world, you're delusional because that's not, that's not true. They're showing up with the ideals and values that typically boomer parents have instilled in them, okay? And so another big thing that people have to be very aware of that makes a lot of kind of light bulbs go off a little bit is that, um, and this is very different, this is very key, a millennial's psychological contract and psychological attachment to their company is not to the brand typically. A boomer's psychological attachment was typically to the brand, right? You mm -hmm. got a job at a company, right. you were loyal to the brand, the company takes care of you. Um, even if you didn't like your boss, you didn't really like what you did, you didn't really like your coworkers, you always you were loyal to the brand. The people in the building would come and go, but you were loyal to the brand. The millennials, it might be your brand that attracts them to want to work for you or send a resume to you, but once they've accepted your offer and they are now working for you, the minute they walk through that door, they don't really care anymore necessarily about the brand. They are forging their relationships. Their psychological attachment becomes with the relationships they make within the company. So relationship building for them is huge. Having a really close bond to their boss is huge. And if they don't feel like they're getting those types of things and they're not building those types of relationships, they'll leave. And, and the, other, the other thing, too, is that they've had their boomer parents for the most part, saying a lot of, to them, you know, don't make the same mistakes we did. Right. A lot of, you know, the millennials a lot of times get a bad rap for leaving a company quickly. Well, they've got that type of mindset based on typically boomer parents saying, look, you know, your dad put 20 years into that company only to get laid off. You know, I, you watched me work my rear end off for 22 years only to have the company go through a merger and acquisition, and I'm the one who got let go. You know, if, if you saw your your dad be totally unhappy for 12 years at that company because his boss was a no-good son of a gun, you know, that type of thing. You know, and them saying, don't put up with that, life's too short. That's the type of messaging they, they have gotten. So if the millennials at work and they're not enjoying their work or they're not feeling connected to their boss or they don't feel challenged or whatever, they leave. They don't, they, yep. The bottom line is they just have less tolerance than the generations before them, and that's the bottom line. They're less tolerant of things that don't feel good. And certainly as a parent, we can see that. So Absolutely. tell me, so it, if these folks are less tolerant, they, they're not big on the brands, how do you attract them even to a company? If, if, if you don't have a big brand name that, that's kind of fun and, and a millennial says, gee, I'd like to work here, how do you go about attracting millennials? Well, you know, I tell people if you're going to, uh, you know, you want to catch trout, you don't go fishing in your backyard swimming pool. You know, you've got to go where trout go, right? And so companies, large, small, medium, big, whatever, well-known, not well-known, I don't care whether you're a three-person, you know, marketing agency or you're Procter & Gamble, you need to be online. And it sounds like common sense, but I'll tell you what, unfortunately it's not common practice. You know, you'd be blown away to find out how many companies do not have a Facebook presence, do not have a MySpace presence. 
Um, it's the kiss of death. A uh, vast majority of users on Facebook are in their mid-20s. It's where they're going to find job opportunities. It's where they want to find out about companies. Millennials want to know a lot about a company before they even consider putting a resume there, um, more so than generations before them. They really do a lot of research on companies. They want the opportunities to have Q&As and webinars with, with people that work there and really uh, get a general idea before they even consider, like I said, putting in their resume. That's very gen different than the generations before them. So um, for examples that, uh, that people can go check out, because your immediate thing is, well, well, what should we be doing on Facebook? You know, um, Ernst & Young does mm -hmm. a great job on Facebook for their recruiting and careers. Um, as does Verizon Wireless. You can go to Verizon, I believe it's Verizon Wireless Careers on Facebook. Those are two very good examples of how well-known companies are using Facebook to have a presence out there to attract all generations, but they know specifically who they're really targeting. You know? And some companies will go so far as to have one Facebook presence that is really just a company general information about employment for, for everybody. And then they might have a spin-off uh, a separate site that is specific to the 20-somethings. Because they're really, I mean, like I said, it's, it's hard for people maybe at this point to get their head around just because of all the news we're getting about layoffs and people looking for work and stuff. But it's imperative because, again, things will get better and the booming in, in, in uh, hiring will happen again. And the, com the competition to not only recruit uh, this generation but to retain them is going to be fierce. You want to see people stealing top-notch talent left and right. It, it will happen. It just, undoubtedly it will happen. Um, the other thing too is companies should get on YouTube. And Deloitte has done a great job at getting a, a, a YouTube presence. The great thing about YouTube is it's free, mm -hmm. uh, just, just like Facebook is. Um, however, you, know, you have to pay someone to, to maintain it and make Facebook worthwhile for you. But in terms of it's not you know, a, typically a you know, 50, 60, 80, 100 plus thousand dollar web initiative, right? Um, and so for YouTube, Deloitte's done a good job. Uh, they actually did a contest where it was they had they put it out to the world, or to, not to the world, to their employees worldwide that said, you know, put together a small video on how Deloitte's changed your life and how much you like working here. And then they had them all submit the videos to um, an internal team that then voted on it. So they had like their own little internal film festival, like the Academy Awards, mm -hmm. and top ten that were voted but as the top ten w went up on YouTube. Now, I shared that idea with Paul Mitchell, the school, and they have over 110 schools nationwide. And they did a similar thing just about two months ago, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Wynn Claybaugh, the co-founder of Paul Mitchell Schools, told me, he said, you know, Lisa, we couldn't have paid for this amount of publicity. You know, we couldn't have paid to get this much exposure for the schools that we've gotten. The hits on the YouTube videos of the young adults at Paul Mitchell schools that put together you know, how being a Paul Mitchell future professional has changed their life and how going there has changed their life and how much they love it. Some of them are funny. Some of them are touching. Some of them are bring a tear to your eye. Um, but they took that, that idea that I gave them from Deloitte and ran with it and have had phenomenal results and have had an absolute blast doing it. Right? I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of hits to these. And if you think about it, it didn't cost Paul Mitchell School a dime. Right, exactly. The were the ones who put the time and effort into doing their videos. It didn't cost the company a dime. They didn't have to pay a PR firm, nothing. They just put out some press releases and made some mention of stuff, and then it just was viral and more and more people. And they started noticing a big increase this past summer of inquiries to their schools nationwide about people wanting to enroll. 
which is that was the goal. That was the goal. Uh, one other thing on on uh, that's not technical related is family days. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients who have had great success in putting together family days, open house family days, where it's hey millennials, bring your mom or dad or moms or dads or whatever to to the company to take a tour. Come meet who your future uh, coworkers may be. Sounds silly, but we've at this point, I'm sure most everybody's heard the term helicopter parents. It's the truth. Um, the parents help them pick out what high school to go to. The parents help them pick out which college to go to, and the parents are helping them pick which jobs to take and, and what job offers to accept. And the smart recruiters are going after mom and dad, mom and or dad, because they know that if they can get mom and or dad to say, hey, Sally, that's the great company. You know, I really thought it was terrific. That's the one you should take. Their, parent, or their kids are listening to them. And so companies are actually doing family days, and they're doing it with a lot of success. They get wow. the CEO out in the parking lot flipping burgers, you know, have some music going, have the managers, you know, promote it out to the local colleges, uh, the career fairs and all that, and, you know, do e-blasts about it and get the young people to tour the company and come in and bring your folks. It sounds a little weird, but I'm telling you firsthand, I have clients doing it based on my recommendation, and they have a huge amount of success around it. One other thing that's very cool, and then we can, then we can move on, but I didn't want to forget this idea, um, flash drives. They're awesome. If you're going to recruiting fairs, rather than handing out tons of collateral, hand out a flash drive with your company information on it. And the cool thing about flash drives also is you can put on uh, you know, a 60-second, or you know, put your corporate video on it. If you have, or if you don't have a corporate video, or if you're a small company and you don't have an official corporate video, uh, have a, you know a, a real rough cut uh, interview with the CEO or other employees that are in that demographic of how great it is to work there. Just you know record it rough cut you know in your conference room. It doesn't have to be slickly produced. Throw that on the flash drive. So not only now they have your company information, but they've also got uh, a video and uh, you know, some sort of multimedia segment about your company. It's great for recruiting, especially if you're going to be recruiting people from out of state. You know, like let's say you do a career day in LA, you know, at UCLA, but your company is located in um, you know, Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's great for you to put slice of life stuff on there to talk about how cool Kansas City is and the nightlife and what all the activities are and why it would be a great move as a young person to move to Kansas City and accept a job at XYZ Company. So I just wanted to make sure I got that in there because flash drives, it's a very simple idea, but it's a very cool idea. And it also makes your company come off as very, very green and socially conscious, uh, avoiding all that printing of all those brochures. Right, right. absolutely. Well, God, Lisa, those are, those are great ideas. I, I just had this vision. Are we going to hear about helicopter parents in the workplace now? Believe it or not, I in almost every seminar that I do, I get one or two hands raised when I ask have, who's heard from the parent. And I, I'm not kidding, I get at least one or two hands raised in audiences of anywhere from you know, 30 people up to 300 people um, where I get hands raised saying, yes, they have gotten the call from the parent, and, so, and a lot of times it's in regards to Sally came home from, the, from work today and we were all at dinner together and she was saying that her employment review was less than desirable and I'm calling to find out what she could be doing better. Or I know that there were going to be um, promotions and my Sally was up for a promotion to become a new junior sales associate and she came home and 
told us that she didn't get she didn't get the promotion. You know, can you tell me why? Well, this opens a whole new era just of, of how you manage employees <laughs> yeah. and how you manage employees' families. This is something that I don't think we've ever seen before. Yeah, well, I you know it's it's a little wacky, and you know a lot of people will say you know why well, I'm not at liberty to say that because of you know uh, HR you know there's laws privacy, and regulations sure. about privacy and all that kind of stuff, so it, the sh- the conversations typically get shut off pretty darn quick because all a manager has to say is I'm not at liberty to say that because of our privacy policies of our company, sorry you know click right you know hang up the phone, but my but the point is, it still doesn't prevent the parent from making the phone call. And what's so darn funny, if you think about it, most of these boomer parents and stuff that do make the phone calls are employed at corporations that <laughs> are very aware of what the HR rules, but their, their common sense flies out the window when it's now their kid. Right. You know, and I yeah. always laugh with them. I'm like, you know, you act like these guys are Martians when they come to work for you, but chances are you've got a 23-year-old at home who's driving a manager crazy down the street at the other company, but it's different when it's someone else's kid, isn't it? Exactly. exactly. And I get a whole room of people just kind of nodding their head going, yeah, you're right. You're right, absolutely. So one more thing before we finish. So I know millennials have a reputation for coming to a company, leaving a company. You said there's not loyalty to the brand. What are a few ideas that employers could use to increase their odds of retaining millennial employees? Well, in terms of uh, retaining them, one of the things that you have to really, really be aware of, um, there was a study done by Robert Half International and Yahoo Hot Jobs who actually uh, provided a bonus chapter in my book, so I'm intimately involved with their, their survey. And that is millennials want to communicate often. And now when I mean often, I'm going to read something to you very briefly to give you. This is directly from uh, the research study okay, that, that Robert Half and, and Yahoo did. They did a huge national survey of, of over 1,000 millennials uh, nationwide, working uh, professional-level millennials. The vast majority said that they wanted more face time and when, with their managers and, super, and their supervisors, more so than a weekly status meeting. Now, here's the kicker. The majority of millennials, over 60% said they want to hear from their managers at least once a day. Wow. Yeah, that tends to be a lot of managers' eyes rolling like, oh, my God, once a day. Because, you know, boomers and Gen Xers, we're so, God, you're happy if you don't have to see your boss, you know, once a week, right, you know, and let me just do my job and leave me alone and stuff. And the millennials, I'm telling you right now, one of the main things for retaining them and for managing and motivating them, is they're saying it in the study. They're telling you. They're not making it a mystery. They want to communicate with you often, if, and at least an email once a day or a quick phone call or even just a quick text message. So managers and management styles are having to change pretty heavily um, to accommodate this generation on a lot of levels. I go into a lot in my book and the seminars I do, and we don't have time here. But that's enough. if I can give you one takeaway in terms of managing and things that can help retain them, it's to communicate often. Um, the other thing, too, is, is that in terms of of um, retaining them, um, you want to really look into becoming what I call a praise culture. And a lot of companies don't do that, and they really need to. It works really well for all generations, but the millennials especially need a lot, need a lot more rewards and recognition. Um, their expectations around it are very different than the older generations. And they really want more uh, recognition on a regular basis. And there's a lot of companies 
that have gone to a lot of great lengths to do some really cool things around this, and they have found that it has helped them with retention overall of all generations. Uh, one example is the scooter store, you know, the, the, the little electronic scooters mm-hmm. that, like my dad has one for elderly people or for disabled people. Um, they actually hired us, put together a person who's called a celebrations assistant, and you as a manager, and this is for any generation, it's not just for the millennials at their company, that would be illegal, but it was sparked by more millennials coming onto the workforce. So the millennials coming in caused this dramatic culture shift. Well, they actually have a celebrations assistant where the manager would say, you know, hey, John did a great job at the meeting yesterday. Let him know that. And the celebrations assistant goes running over with confetti and or helium balloons and throws it on. This person is averaging 25 pounds of confetti a week <laughs> and over 100 to 500 helium balloons per week to job candidate, to job or to employees who have done a great job. Now, if you think about it, it's wonderful in a lot of regards because with the confetti all around the desk, all day long, anybody who walks by goes, Linda, what did you do? Oh, you did something great. What did you do? So it, continue, it fosters people asking it and, oh, well, you know, I did a presentation yesterday that my boss thought was really great. That's terrific. Congratulations. But it may sound silly, but it works. And companies continue to do and come up with ideas like that. Nobody keeps those types of ideas around if they're not getting an ROI from it, right? I mean, let's get real, right? No one, no one is going to do those types of things if they're not getting results. That's the bottom line, right? Okay. And yeah. if it's not working, then they'll move on and they'll figure something else. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things going on in terms of, you know, there's one company that I know of that requires their managers to write 48 thank you notes a year. Okay, that's like one a week, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, two, two underlings, so they're younger employees. Um, and if the managers don't do it, they get written up. Um, you know, there's just, there's, uh, in, Paul Mitchell does a really cool thing, it, and this is a very simple thing to do, but it's very effective. They call it the Katya board, and it's up in the employee break room. And anytime, like if you had done something really nice for me and someone witnessed it, like I dropped a bunch of books on the floor and you came over and helped gather them up and some, somebody witnessed it, they run over and go to the Katya board and go, Linda Popke helped Lisa Arrell pick up her books when they <laughs> fell, and it was an impromptu act of kindness, even though we know Linda was running late for a meeting. Isn't Linda great? You know, but it's stuff like that, you know, just do-gooder stuff like that. So people are in the break room, they're like, oh, that was cool that you did that. Someone caught you. So that type of stuff is what's going on and turning companies into praise cultures. And it's not only help, helping retain boomers, some boomers that are wanting to stick around longer because suddenly the company's fun again. And I don't know, I'll, I'm going to ask you a question, Linda. Do you know the number one reason anybody leaves a company of any generation, not just the millennials, the number one reason. I would say it's probably because they don't like their boss, right? Okay. The number one reason that people leave a job today, and I don't mean just specifically today, is lack of rewards and recognition. Okay. Regardless of any generation. Okay. So when the millennials are coming in with even more need for that type of thing because of being coddled and nurtured and rewarded their whole lives, right, pretty much, um, they're ca- it's causing uh, corporations to have to really think their rewards and recognition programs. And it's, but they, well, like I said, what's cool about it is that the millennials are causing companies to think about it and implementing it, 
and it's helping them retain overall, and it's helping employee morale um, overall. One other thing that's very important in terms of retaining them is mentor programs. Huge. If you don't have a mentor program, you need to get one. Number one, millennials ask about it in job interviews. Do you have a mentor program? If you say no, they are not real thrilled about coming to work for you. They want to know there will be hand-holding and guidance when they come work for you, and they will not just be left hung out to dry. And a lot of companies say they have mentor programs, but they're older mentor programs that no one's really activated or kept alive and all that. Um, companies have really got to get on the ball with that. I uh, moderated a panel with six millennial young women at Yahoo. Uh, they weren't employees of Yahoo. Yahoo um, hosted it. And it was, they were, all six of the gals were from different companies, all of which have very well-known brands that anybody listening would know. And when I asked them the question, if you could change anything at your current company, what would you do? And these are all girls, between, gal, women between 21 and 25 years old. They could have answered anything. They could have said, we want a Starbucks in the lobby. I mean, they could have answered anything they wanted. Every one of them answered either, I'd really love it if our company had a mentor program, or I wish our company had a better mentor program. Wow. All six from totally different companies, not even from one company. All six of them said that. So and, I'll and put it out there. if you think about it, it's, it's, these are all things that make common sense, and they're just good business sense, better communication, better appreciation of employees, better transfer mm-hmm. of knowledge and support. Uh, yep. they're, they're good for all of us. They are. They're all. They're good for all of us. A lot, of, like I said, a lot of what the millennials are pushing for and making companies really rethink are for the greater good of the whole company. Mentor programs that are run properly are good for boomers, are good for Gen Xers, right? They have shown that they increase retention of, of boomers, and boomers get very enthusiastic about wanting to pass on their knowledge base and their their nurturing styles and and you know all of that to younger people, and I think a really good uh, idea, and some people have heard of this and a lot of people I speak to haven't, which is the reverse mentor programs, which are really cool, which is where you're matching up a millennial, you know, 23 years old with a 60-year-old boomer, let's say, and the boomer's teaching them everything he can about, you know, whatever the particular department is or whatever, and life in general, and learning the ropes of a company and business etiquette and all that kind of stuff. And the, millennials are like, yep. yeah, and the millennials are like, you know, here's how you can program your cell phone. Right, right. You know, or yeah. why do you have, you, you know, there's some really much better software you can be using to organize your life on your computer. Let me show you how and I'll install it for you. So the reverse, you know, and, 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 and not only just from them coming in from a techno, technological standpoint, but um, having the, the millennials come in with really fresh perspectives on things they could be doing differently in terms of how um, a department is run. You know, a fresh idea on um, a different uh, sales initiative for the sales department. You know, that type of stuff and really listening and m- matching them up with an older sales associate and the, and the millennial and the reverse mentor program is coming into it with a fresh perspective, not just to be mentored, but coming in as a men- mentor themselves. That's so there's absolutely some... great. That, that's a really unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, it is. It empowers the millennials as they come into the organization, which is great. Yeah, and they want to feel respected. Right. You know, they want to feel respected, and that's another number one, you know, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up here, but in terms of retaining them, is respect is absolutely um, critical. You know, those a, a couple of those gals on that panel I mentioned, um, I said, you know, in terms of diversity challenges and that type of thing, are you, you know, are you finding you're hitting the glass ceiling or, you know, having trouble against your male counterparts at work or, you know, that type of perspective? And they said, no, we could care less about that. They said that their biggest obstacle um, at this point in their careers has been ageism. 
we've had racism, we've had sexism. <laughs> it's the new. I've written articles for diversity magazines and 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 uh, HR magazines on the new diversity issue, which is ageism. Which it used to be, well, you know, older people felt that there was ageism, and you know, the younger person got promoted. The young people coming in right now are feeling ageism because they're not feeling respected. And you know, but my you know, I'm 22. But so what if I haven't been in the corporate world? I've got I've got opinions, and no one wants to hear what I have to say, or I do. My boss poo-poos them, right? And three of those six gals came up to me afterwards and said that because of the ageism issue and not feeling respected at their current place of employment, they were starting to look for other jobs. Wow. So I cannot emphasize to you enough how respecting their opinion and asking for their opinion is really key to making them feel. They're, like I said, they have lo- low tolerance. If they're not feeling respected, they will leave. Maybe not right now based on the current economic climate, but I will guarantee you that they will have the minute things start picking up again and there's other job opportunities available, they will leave. That's great input. And I just want to remind everyone that we all know that this recession or downturn is going to be temporary, and we will bounce back just like we always do. But the, the time to prepare for the rebound is now, not, um, not when it's, it's already happened. So the time to think about how you're going to be hiring millennials and how you're going to improve your marketing plans and how you're going to move forward is really now where we have the opportunity uh, and not to wait until after the rebound happens. Right, exactly. That's, that's, how I, that's what I tell people. I'm like, look, use this downturn as a time for what are we going to be doing when things pick up again because it will pick up again. And, you know, like I said, the numbers don't lie. You know, in terms of the labor shortage that we're talking about, it's based on pure, you know, good old-fashioned math in terms of population growth projections and birth rates and all that stuff together. You know, we are going to be running into a problem. And, and if companies are going to, it's going to get very tough for them to find people and retain, retain them because people are going to be stealing talent left and right. And, um, and it's not only critical to companies in general, but it's going to be critical to our country. Because you know it, we're only our country is only as competitive and as productive as our companies are, and the, you know it's our it, it, it's it's going to be crazy. And it, it, we already started seeing it. We already started seeing it happen, and right. then we had this whole thing happen. But it will happen again. No, oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. Well, thank you for all this great information, Lisa. I learned a lot, and this is certainly um, a little bit scary thinking about what's going on <laughs> out there and and how much we have to learn, but it's certainly something we really need to do. Before we go, I'd like to tell people how they can reach you and get a copy of your book. And Lisa's book is called Millennials Incorporated. It's available on Amazon. You can also learn more about her seminars and workshops by visiting her website, which is the Aurel Group. And let me spell that for you, group.com. She also has a popular blog you can access through her website, and she has a popular seminar, Get a Grip on Gen Y, which is now available on DVD, and that's also available on her website at theorelgroup.com. So thank you again, Lisa. Um, I, here I am as a helicopter parent thinking, now, wow, I have to be careful not to be a helicopter parent in college and the workforce. Right, exactly. It's tough, I'll tell you. It's tough. Like I said, it's one thing to be a boomer parent. It's another thing to be a boomer boss. And uh, it's amazing how the worlds collide sometimes. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Lisa. And uh, this is Linda Popke for Marketing Thought Leadership. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, 
contact us at www.l2massociates.com.